ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us this morning. I ask that you take your Bible, turn with us to Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5, and we will also look at chapter 22, verses 1 through 7. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth was passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, neither crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write. For these words are true and faithful. I invite you to turn over probably one page in your Bible, Revelation 22, verses 1 through 7. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I speak to you today on the subject of heaven. Some call it heaven, but I call it home. Heaven is more than just a place. The Bible tells us in John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. But my friends, heaven is more than just a place. Heaven is the home of Almighty God. Heaven is the home of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It is the glorious land where the redeemed of the ages spend eternity. It is the place where we all long to go. Of course, if you listen to most folks talk, you'll find out that we aren't as anxious to get to heaven as we sometimes claim. When sickness comes, we try everything we can to stay here as long as we can. And we call on the doctor and we call on the church to pray and we call on the Lord to help us get better. We love this life and we want to stay here. That's understandable. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and he said, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm looking forward to the gain. I'm looking forward to going home. So as we take our journey into the future today, let's wrap our minds around what the Bible has to say about a place called heaven. And as we do, let's remember that while we may call it heaven right now, one day we will call it home. And that's the thought we need to magnify today. Revelation chapter 21, verses 5 through 8, we see the gates of this city. The Lord begins this section of Scripture by reminding us that He is still in control and that He is about to make everything brand new. As soon as He makes that promise, the Lord says, It is done with that simple statement. God pronounces an end to this world with all of its turmoil, all of its strife, and he proclaims the new beginning of that new world with all of its glory, with all of its splendor. And before he shares the wonders of heaven with us, the Lord first reveals the gates of the city. Now, these are not physical gates that can be shut to keep people in or out after all. The gates of heaven will never be shut, according to Revelation 21, verse 25. These are the true gates of the city, for it is these gates which determine who enters and who does not. Verses 6 and 7 of chapter 21, we see who the gates actually permit. These gates permit those who have taken the water of life and they permit those who are overcomers. Now this is a clear statement that heaven is opened only to those who are in a personal faith relationship with Jesus Christ. After all, he is the water of life. John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. Revelation 22, verse 17. And it is our faith in him, according to 1 John 5 and verse 4, it is our faith in him that makes us overcomers. Those who enter heaven will enjoy a perfect inheritance, according to Romans 8 and verse 17. And, I might add, they will enjoy a profound intimacy with their heavenly Father, according to 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. In very simple terms, the gate to heaven is the Lord Jesus. 
He is the door into life, John chapter 10 and verse 9. To believe on him by faith is to be saved, John chapter 14 and verse 6. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. To reject him is to cast yourself literally into hell. Now verse 8 also denotes who the gates prohibit from entering. Some people will not be allowed to enter that city, but they will be sent away to the lake of fire. Let's examine that list, Revelation 21 and verse 8. The Bible says in Revelation 21 and verse 8 that the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. He lists the fearful, those who have allowed fear of the Lord or the fear of man to keep them from coming to Jesus Christ. Then he mentions unbelievers, those who have refused to believe and receive the gospel of the Savior. Then he mentions the abominable, those who have given themselves up to vile and wicked lifestyles. Then he mentions murderers, those who have given themselves over to Uh, taking the lives of others. Then he mentions whoremongers. Those who have given themselves over to sexual perversion. Then he mentions sorcerers. Those who practice the magical arts. The word sorcerers comes from the word pharmacaeus, which gives us our word pharmacy. It refers to those who create and use Chemical concoctions, in other words, it speaks to those who are addicted to the use of drugs and alcohol. And then he mentions idolaters, those who give themselves to the worship of false gods and false systems of belief. And then he says, all liars, those who do not know the truth but live a life If you saw yourself in that list, I invite you to come to Christ today. He will forgive your sins and prepare you for the home in heaven. If you refuse him, reject his offer, there's nothing for you but the flames of hell forever. And Revelation 21, verses 9 through 21, we see the glories of that city. Having told us how to enter the city of heaven, John now shares with us some of the details of that place called heaven. Verses 11 through 14, he gives us the city's distinction. This earth and every city and home on it requires some source of light. If it were not for the sun, the moon, and for lighting systems developed by men, this world would be nothing but a dark tomb. Heaven, on the other hand, is brilliantly lit by the glory of God himself. John described the city as being like a jasper stone. The jasper stone is what we call a diamond. 
today. The city will be like a great diamond in appearance as it reflects and refracts the light of the glory of God. Imagine a world where the glory of God is on full display. The city is surrounded by a gleaming high wall, according to verse 12. There are 12 gates in this wall, each gate attended by an angel. These gates have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel inscribed on them. The wall of this great city rests on 12 foundations named after the 12 apostles, according to verse 14. It's going to be a tremendous, glorious city. According to verse 15 through 17, we're given the city's dimensions. An angel having a golden reed comes to measure the city. A reed was about 10 feet in length, so this measuring would have taken quite a bit of time. We're told that the city is built like a square at the bottom, and it's of equal lengths on all sides. We're also told that this city measures 12,000 furlongs on each side, and that it's as tall as it is wide and long. 12,000 furlongs translates to about 1,400 miles. Now, this city is astounding in size. If one edge was placed on the Atlantic Ocean, the opposite edge would set near Denver, Colorado. If the northern edge of the city sat on the Canadian border, the other edge would sit somewhere around Miami, Florida. That's a huge town. And it's even more amazing to consider that it's also 1,400 miles high. This city is surrounded by a wall that measures 144 cubits in verse 17. That equates to 216 feet high. Now this could refer to the height or it could also refer to the thickness of the wall. Imagine a city that where there's room for everyone, room for all where there are no ghettos, no mean streets, no wrong side of town. Imagine a city of absolute beauty and sinless perfection. If you can imagine that, then you can imagine your future home. Verses 18 through 21, we see the city's design. In these next few verses, John describes the materials used to construct the city. And he tells us that the wall is made of a diamond and the city is made of pure and transparent gold. He also tells us that the city rests on a foundation that is loaded with precious gemstones. You'll notice how beautiful and glorious this city will be if you'll just take a brief look at the details of the foundation. The Bible gives jaspers clear like a diamond, sapphire clear blue, chalcedony, which is a yellowish green, emerald, which is deep green, sardonyx, which is white with layers of red, Sardius, which is fiery red, chrysolite, which is golden yellow, a beryl, which is uh, sea green, topaz, which is greenish yellow, chrysosphorus, which is golden green, and then, of course, jacinth, which is violet, and amethyst, which is purple. I'm certain that these stones speak of God 
and his character in some, some fashion. We cannot understand all that they represent today, but when we arrive there, we're going to know even also as we're known according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. Imagine, if you will, a city that gleams with the brilliance of God's glory. Imagine that pure light as it shines through the diamonds, the gold, and all the multicolored precious stones of that heavenly city. What a glorious sight to behold, and all of it made by our God. The gates of that city are made of pearls, according to verse 21. The pearl, as you know, is formed out of pain. A grain of sand is trapped in an oyster, and that sand irritates the oyster, and the oyster begins to build up layer upon layer of calcium around that grain of sand, and after a long while, a pearl is formed. In fact, the pearl is the only gemstone made by a living organism. The pearl is the oyster's answer to its pain. Those gates will remind us that while salvation and the heaven it provides are completely free, neither one of them were cheap. Everything we have was born out of the pain of our Savior on the cross of Calvary. And every time we enter that city, we're going to be reminded of the price that he paid to redeem our souls. Heaven is our Lord's answer to the pain of his cross. Even the street of heaven will be glorious to behold. We'll walk about on a street that's paved with the purest of gold. And what a city awaits the redeemed when this life is over. But also I'd point to your attention that we have the guarantees of the city. As we move through these remaining verses, even more of the wonders of heaven are displayed for us to consider. These verses tell us some of the things that will be there and some of the things that will not be there. Let's consider the guarantees of the city. First, I'd point out to you the guarantee of new relationships. When we arrive in heaven, our relationship with God will be forever altered. According to chapter 21 and verse 22, there will be a new interaction. Today we worship the Lord in churches constructed by the hands of men. We're not allowed to approach him because we're separated from him by this flesh and by sin. We come before God through the agency of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5. And that day, there'll be no need for churches, no need for temples, no need for mediators. We will have direct face-to-face -face access with God himself According to Revelation 21 and verse 3, the Bible says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. In that day, there's going to be no need for anything that we have to exhibit down here because we're going to have direct face-to-face -face access with God himself. What a day that'll be. But also, there's going to be a new intimacy according to chapter 22, verses 3 and 4. We will see his face. 
His name will be written in our foreheads. We will serve him in the perfection of righteousness and holiness. We cannot do that today. Too many things come between us and God, and too many things hinder our service to him. Too many things destroy our intimacy with our Lord. None of those things will hinder us in glory because we're going to enjoy a perfect intimacy with our Father, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit. But then I would also point out to you that we're going to have the guarantee of old relationships. Many times I get asked the question, does personality extend beyond the grave? Do those we love retain their personal characteristics in heaven? Will we know each other in heaven? The answer is always the same. Yes, yes, and yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 13 and verse 12. The Holy Spirit gives us this inspired statement. For now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also I am known. Will we know our loved ones in heaven? Absolutely. They will know us. But I'd also point out there's a guarantee of new realities. Not only will our relationship with the Lord be changed, so will many of the things that we've grown used to in this world. We've already commented on the thought of the glory of the city, but we're reminded that heaven will be filled with the glory of God also. The same God who stood in absolute darkness and said, let there be light, will fill our home with his brilliance and his glory. And think of those gates of the city. Those pearly gates will never be closed. The perfected people who live on the earth will come in and out of the new Jerusalem and bring with them the bounty produced by the new earth. Apparently after the earth is replenished and sin is defeated, humans will inhabit the earth and will live as Adam and Eve did during the millennial kingdom as they were intended to live. They'll produce children. They'll enjoy life in a perfect world. What an amazing time when men, angels, and glorified saints and the Godhead come together in that city. Think of the grandeur of that city. These verses, Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5, we read them at the beginning of our time together. These verses just give a glimpse of some of the few insights of that city. Revelation 22, and verse 1, the river. The Bible says it's a pure crystal river. It flows from God's throne. The throne is a source of life, and the river that flows from it symbolic of the kind of life it delivers. The heavenly city is a place of peace, prosperity, and pleasure. This river is filled with the water of life. It's symbolic of the unending flow of everlasting life given to all those who believed in Christ. Chapter 22 and verse 2, you see the tree of life. In the new Jerusalem, man will have access to the tree of life. When Adam sinned in Eden, he was removed from that place to prevent him from eating the fruit of the tree of life and thus living forever in his fallen condition. In heaven, access to the tree of life will, life will be restored. And this amazing tree will yield its precious fruit each month of the year. It'll bear 12 types of fruit throughout the year. It reminds us that heaven will be a place of plenty. We're told that the leaves of this tree will be used for the healing of the nation. This doesn't mean that people in that day will get sick. As we see in Revelation 21 verse 4, sickness and disease are all, they're all banished from heaven. We're translated healing here gives us our word therapeutic, literally means service rendered to another. In other words, the leaves of the trees will serve to enhance our lives in eternity. They will make life more pleasant.
Chapter 22 and verse 3, the curse is removed. There'll be no more curse. When man sinned, the ground was cursed, and man was forced to grow his food by the sweat of his brow. Part of that curse also involved the presence of weeds and thorns that would make man's job harder. And the curse brought sickness and violence and chaos and death to the world. In eternity, this curse is lifted, and the earth will be restored to the perfect state it was in before sin ever entered. There'll be no more weeds, no thorns, no sickness, no violence, no war, no chaos, no death in that world. In chapter 22 and verse 5, the night is banished. The darkness that haunts this world will be banished all over. There'll be no more dark hours when the prince of darkness can do his wicked deeds. But in chapter 21 and verse 27, there's also the guarantee of a new righteousness. You see, in that perfect world, there'll be nothing that can defile it because it will not be allowed inside the gates. There'll be no sin. There'll be no Satan's, Satan. There'll be no, no, no sinners. Only those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and justified by the God of heaven will be allowed in that city. And that truth right there makes heaven worth going to. I wish I had the adjectives. I wish I had the verbs. I wish I had the adequate language to describe the place called heaven and give it the description it deserves. Sadly, I don't possess that vocabulary. I don't possess that intelligence or the insight to do that. But from what I've read about that place, it sounds like a place I want to spend eternity. How about you? You can if you know Christ. You have to trust Jesus Christ. And if you've never trusted Christ, your Savior, come to him now, come to him today, and be made ready for heaven. If you know him, come to him and thank him for what he's got given to you here and what he's got waiting for you over there. Come to him and renew your commitment to live for Christ until he comes and takes you home. Some years ago, Squire Parsons wrote the song, Somewhere beyond the grave there's a land where Jesus went to prepare by his own hand and for the grace he saved, there's a resting place. In a few more days it'll be mine. I've got good news for you. When heaven comes into view, one glimpse and you'll know the best is yet to come. Some call it heaven. I call it home. Some call it dreaming. Let me dream on. Some call it paradise. Somewhere beyond the skies. Some call it heaven. But I call it home. Is it your home? It can be if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you, and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.